Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Church Online. We're in week two of a series we've titled Refresh. I think, man, if there's ever been a time in our lives that people everywhere, all over the world need refreshment, it's now in 2020. Come on, we've talked about it all year long and it's been a year, you name it, politically, emotionally, spiritually, all of it, right? It's just come from every angle. And I just think this is a great season, a great time for us to pause and reflect and refresh ourselves. The Bible tells us this is our theme verse. We're reading it all month long. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3. It says, For I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields. And I'll pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your children. It's a promise of God that God will refresh us. He'll pour out water to quench our thirst. And not just us, not just quench our thirst, but He'll irrigate our parched fields. His favor can rest on our lives, even in the midst of a year like we've experienced this year, even in the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of craziness going on around us. The Bible teaches us that God wants to refresh our spirits, our souls, physically, emotionally, financially, all around. God wants to be a refreshment to us. In week one, Pastor Brandon taught us about time in a tent. What does it look like to spend time with God, to get in His presence, to, to make Him a priority? He talked about how the nation of Israel and Moses would literally get into a tent and be in the physical presence of God. And what does that look like for you and I in this season? And then today, I want to talk to you about what it looks like to be refreshed with community. I titled your message today, We Are Better, We Is Better Than Me. We is better than me. It doesn't take long to just look around in the season we found ourselves in to, to learn that isolation is a real and massive issue. It's a big deal. Maybe it wasn't that big of a deal before this pandemic hit. Maybe it wasn't that big of a deal to you before March. And then March hit in 2020, and you haven't been around real authentic community ever since. You can't think of the last time that maybe you've been in an authentic relationship or in community with people. And it's done a lot to you. It's done a lot to our culture. It's damaged people mentally and emotionally and spiritually. I would argue that it's probably the largest issue in our country today. And you need to know it's not even a new issue. It's a magnified issue. Look all the way back to Numbers chapter 11 and verse 5. Even Moses, after he crossed the Red Sea and he led Israel out of Egypt, he found himself isolated and alone. Jesus, come on, the high priest, the Bible teaches us in Hebrews chapter 4 that it's him. He's the son of God and even he knows what it's like to walk through the loneliness of isolation. Tells us in Hebrews that he's gone through everything that you and I have ever been going through. He's walked through it. He's been tempted by it or he's had to live in it. That means isolation. That means loneliness. That means depression and anxiety. When Jesus' friend John the Baptist was beheaded, the Bible tells us that what did he do? He did what a lot of us do in tragedy, what a lot of us do when things get hard. 
He pulled away to be by himself, to be alone. Even Jesus fought the temptation to be isolated. Before he was crucified, his sweat became drops of blood. That's a result medically of extreme stress, worry, anxiety, loneliness. He felt alone. It's a heightened, magnified issue, and it's a problem. So today, I want to talk to you about what it's like. What's it like to be isolated, and what can God do through community? What did God create mankind for? And we know this. We're never, none of us were ever created to do life alone. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to talk to you about three things that isolation does, and then I'm going to give you some advice. I'm going to give you some steps, I think some practical steps, and what God does through community in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word that it is alive and real and breathing. And God, we just thank you uh, for your presence, that it is for us. Jesus, you are for us. And Father, I thank you that you have surrounded us with people, whether we recognize it or not. You have surrounded us with people that love you and want your best for our lives. And they love us. And so God, I pray that you would open our eyes and open our hearts to recognize your favor relationally and in community. Uh, so that we can live our lives on purpose in a way that honors you. That you would get all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So isolation, what does isolation do? Number one, if you're taking notes, it plants depression. Isolation always plants depression. There's a story in 1 Kings chapter 19 about Elijah. And Elijah had just performed one of, historically, the greatest miracles in biblical history. In all of the Bible, in in 1 Kings chapter 18, the Bible teaches that that he literally prayed and called down fire from heaven and it consumed uh, a sacrifice and he, with his own two hands, conquered and defeated over 800 prophets of Baal, a a foreign god to Israel. And, and, And he did all of that with boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. And the Bible says literally, he left that moment And he ran and he prayed that it hadn't rained in years. And he went and prayed and that it would rain. And the Bible says that it rained. He had just experienced the physical like hand of God on his life and in his circumstances. And then the next thing you see is is 1 Kings chapter 19. There's a woman that comes against him and Jezebel, this queen comes up against him and says she's going to kill him. And the Bible says he was instantly afraid for some reason and he fled. And when he fled, the Bible says that he left everything. Let's read it together in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3 and 4. It says, He was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah. And get this, he left his servant there. And this is where we see, he says, He went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He left community. He left everything. He went by himself alone. That was of his own free will. He didn't have to do that. There were people going with him. And Elijah left them, told them to stay, and he went on ahead. And listen to what happened. He gets all the way by himself, and he says, God, I've had enough. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors, who have already died. Come on, he had just accomplished one of the greatest feats in the Bible, conquered 800 prophets, performed miracles, and then he leaves community and things only go downhill from there. He he goes from fear of someone else 
to literal suicidal thoughts. Here's what I've learned in my own faith, that isolation is the enemy's garden. It will literally, it allows the enemy to plant seeds of depression and anxiety in our lives. He left his community, relationship behind, and things got worse. Long-term isolation or loneliness, did you know this, is one of the top reasons and cause of depression and anxiety in our country. I read this this week, that anxiety is the top presenting concern among college students at 41% followed by depression at 36%, relationship problems. On average, over 24% of clients in, uh, uh, in, in America in psychiatric places are taking prescription medications, all because of anxiety and depression and isolation, anxiety and depression and substance abuse at an all-time high in 2020. All of it correlates, experts will tell you, all of it directly related to isolation and loneliness. You see, isolation tills the soil of my soul for the fruit of the enemy. So here's the question. Has isolation caused me to make decisions on my feelings rather than the truth of God's Word? I'm, de- I'm depressed. I'm, I'm, I've got anxiety. I'm nervous. I'm worryful. All of these things. Come on, ask yourself, where was, what was this like before? I was isolated. What was this like before I allowed myself to be alone? Many of us couldn't help it. Many of us still can't help it. A lot of us, isolation has just become the norm. I had a dog when I was young and I loved him. His name was Harley. He's one of my favorite dogs. And uh, one, of the, one day this huge storm came through our neighborhood and my dog had never left our backyard. And one of these, one of these storms came through and it knocked down all of the fence in our backyard. I got up the next morning and looked outside and the fence was gone and I thought, oh man, my dog's gonna, he's gonna be gone. And we walked out in the backyard and there he sat in the center of the yard laying, not moving a muscle. The fence had been gone and it, and it terrified him to so much that he literally got to the center part of the yard so that he was as far away from the edge of the yard at any given point. Called my dog over and he wouldn't leave. He wouldn't leave the yard. You know why? Because I discovered that he was terrified of the concrete. He had never experienced it before. So he was willing to stay in the comfort and the confines of prison. He was stuck, but he wasn't stuck. Can I tell you, many of us, we're not stuck, but we've grown comfortable in isolation, not realizing that it it is the seeding ground to plant depression and anxiety in our lives. Number two, if you're taking notes, Isolation points the finger. Because it breeds depression and anxiety and worry in our lives, it causes us, it's just a reality, it's a byproduct, it causes us to look out and not in. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 14, listen to what it says. A voice said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Come on, that's the voice of God speaking to Elijah, going, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down their altars, killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Come on, Elijah is faced. He goes all by himself, finds himself alone in the wilderness. The voice of God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? You need to know this. That indicates that Elijah didn't have to be there. 
He was by himself, isolated, alone, depressed, suicidal thoughts, thinking he was the only one left. And God speaks to him and says, why are you here? Maybe you can ask yourself the same question today. Why am I here? What's going on? Why is this happening? And maybe you would find yourself like Elijah, pointing the finger out, saying, I'm the only one here. I'm the only one that cares. I love what God's response was to Elijah. Check this out on the screen. It says in 1 Kings 19 and 15, when he figured out Elijah was making excuses, pointing the finger, he said, then the Lord told him, get up, go back the way you came, travel to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. Come on, what did God say? Elijah, get up and get back to work. Get up, go back to your community. Stop being isolated. Stop being alone. Stop pointing the finger. Get up, I've got work for you to do. You're not alone. He goes on to tell him in verse 18 in chapter 19, yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed their knee to Baal. Here Elijah is, isolated of his own account, of his own doing, pointing the fingers, thinking, I'm alone, nobody understands. And God says, you don't understand. You're not alone. It's not just you. There's thousands of others who have never bowed, their nail, never bowed their knee to that God. Get up and go back to community and go back to what I've called you to do. Come on, anybody ever have, you've seen kids, or maybe you have kids, I've got two kids. How many of our kids just make bogus excuses? We've all been there, we've seen it happen. You go in, and my daughter just this past week, we were supposed to be cleaning her room, and we said, Elizabeth, what happened? Weren't you cleaning your room? And guess what we get? Bogus excuses. As a parent, what do you do when your child gives you a bogus excuse? You say, get up and do what I told you to do. It's exactly what God told Elijah. And maybe today the Lord through us, through this message, is saying to you, get up. Go back the way you came. Come on, get back into community. Start reaching out to, to people that love you and want to see God's best for your life. Stop pointing the finger. Get up and go back the way you came. Social distancing, we've said this all year long. Social distancing does not mean relational, relational distancing. Yet many of us have allowed the enemy to plant seeds of dissension and bitterness and anxiety in our hearts and we point the finger. We're isolated, the enemy's voice is louder, he's planted seeds of depression. We're pointing the finger and here we are. You may think you're alone. Come on, you may even feel like you're alone, like nobody cares. But can I tell you, it's not true. Get up. There are people that want God's best for your life. Go back the way you came. Come on, what relationships have you bailed on in this season as a, re as a result of isolation and offense? I'm going to give you a, just a practical bit of advice that I learned early on in my faith. It's an acronym called HALT, H-A-L-T. And when a leader told me at one time, said, Brandon, never make decisions, never make big decisions when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Never make big decisions when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And can I tell you, I know that I know there's so many people in the world today who've made some pretty big decisions. Come on, you've isolated yourself. You've pulled away from community. That's a big decision. And all of us are hungry. Come on, we're angry. We're lonely. 
We're tired. We're exhausted. I want us the time to lean into community, to lean in. We are better than me. We is better than me. Let's stop pointing the finger. Let's answer the question. What's God asking? What am I doing here? What are you doing here? Number three, this one's important, and sometimes we don't realize it, but isolation pumps up the enemy. It gives him courage. Listen to what happens in Matthew chapter 4. This is Jesus after he'd been baptized. He's in the wilderness, isolated, alone. And it says, During that time the devil came to him and said, Come on, if you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. He goes on to say it a couple of more times. Listen to Matthew chapter 4, verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you're the Son of God, jump off. He goes it again. Verses 8 and 9. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Listen to what he says to the Son of God. I'll give it all to you if you'll kneel and worship me. Come on, all of the sudden, the enemy is bold. Any other time you ever see Jesus approach a demon or the enemy or the devil in any form in the New Testament, the enemy cowers in fear. But when Jesus is isolated and alone, he's pumped up. He's excited. He's bold. He's offering Jesus a position in his kingdom if the Son of God would only worship. The enemy has never been that bold. When Jesus was surrounded by community, when he was surrounded by his people, he was never that bold. But when he's isolated and alone, the enemy, man, he could smell blood. Can I, can I tell you this? If the enemy was bold when Jesus was alone, if he was that bold and that pumped up and he could smell blood with him, don't you know how much more the enemy can attack when we're alone? Isolation pumps the enemy up. He smells blood. He's bold in his voice. He's louder when we're alone. He's, he speaks uh, more confidently when we're alone. Something happens that gives the enemy courage when we're by ourselves. It's kind of like if you've ever seen a National Geographic documentary of lions hunting or hyenas hunting. They never go for the crowd, do they? No, they don't. They never go to the group. They, they would search for days even to tediously, meticulously find the one who somehow, some way had isolated themselves alone in a weaker predicament. And they would sit for hours even, sometimes not even moving, waiting for that one moment that they can pounce on the weaker vessel. That same reality happens with us. Whenever the enemy sees us isolated and alone, away from community, that's what happens. Come on, he's pumped up. He smells blood. He's going in for the kill. Jesus says it this way, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What am I doing? Am I making it too easy for the enemy to steal, to kill, and to destroy? Come on, maybe you find yourselves that you're at this point, this moment in 2020, and that's you. You'd be honest with yourself. You're answering these questions. Man, am I isolated? Am I, am I depressed? Man, is anxiety high right now in my own life? Have I found myself pointing the finger, easily offended at everything going around, 
everything going on on social media and around the world and come on it's an election year and all of this stuff going on am I easily offended by everything going on around me and have I allowed isolation and excuses to give an to give the enemy an angle to easily attack have I let the enemy be pumped up as he smell blood in my life I'm gonna give you three things that I think community does and I think this is gonna help us all in our faith journey number one Community brings healing. It brings healing. James chapter 5, verse 16 says it. We've said it a lot over the years at Cultivate Church. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Come on, if you've got a pen, you want to underline that or you want to write that verse down. So that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Here's what I've learned that I think in, in, in America, in cultural Christianity, we've bought into the lie that letting anyone in is a bad thing. We've bought into the lie that if anybody knows what's going on, man, there's no way that they would accept me or want me. Except the truth, the way that God has designed it, if you read all through Scripture, salvation comes from Jesus, but healing comes through community. So many people right now in 2020, you're walking around with gaping wounds, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. We're wounded, we're injured, we're hurting, and we can't find healing because we're isolated away from godly community. We're isolated away from God's best for our lives. That's why small groups are so vitally important. Y'all, we don't do small groups at Cultivate Church just because it's another pro. It's not just another program. It's not just something we, we, we measure and want to have. It's the lifeblood of the believer. Come on. Healing comes in community. When's the last time you've been able to open up and ask somebody to pray for specific needs in your life? When's the last time you've confessed a sin to someone or confessed something to somebody close to you that you can trust, that you know they're going to pray for you and want to see God's best for you? Come on, if you can't answer that question, it means you're still walking wounded because healing can only come through community, confession, and prayer. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you can be healed. Community brings healing. Number two, if you're taking notes, community brings help. Come on, he's, the Lord provides healing spiritually, emotionally, physically through the power of prayer and community. And then he brings help. Galatians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 says it this way, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back to the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Listen to what it says. Next verse, share each other's burdens. And in, this, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. I love this. He says, you're not that important. Come on, none of us are that important that we can't bear one another's burdens, that we can't carry the load together. We're in, a, we're in a culture and we're in a, a season of life where it's easier to shoot our wounded than to bear the burden with them and offer a, a, a healing balm of love and grace and mercy into their lives. Why does Scripture teach us to bear one another's burden? He wants us to help one another. Come on, we are the church. 
We exist for the world. Contrary to what we've all been taught in our lives, life is not survival of the fittest and every man for himself. You can do that if you choose. Come on, Elijah. Come on, he was alone of his own free will, wasn't he? You can do that if you choose. But I promise you, survival of the fittest, you'll never survive alone on your, by yourself. God designed us to be in community together. It brings healing and it brings help. We should be moved to help when we see a need. Come on, church, it's simple. I see a need and I meet it. It's that simple. I see a need and I meet it. I see a need and I meet it over and over and over again. That's the, that's the play we run. That's the hope of the world. The local church, see a need and meet it. If it's at all within our capacity to help, it's a yes. We do it. Why? Because we is better than me. We are the church. We exist for the world. We can't afford for everyone, right? Like we can't afford to do everything for everyone, but we can certainly do for the one what we hope to do for everyone. Come on, who in your life can you help bear a burden with? Who in your small group are you bearing one another's burdens? Come on, are you doing life together, praying for one another, texting, calling, messaging, somehow investing in one another's lives? Get in a small group. Share each other's burdens. Don't do life alone. And number three, last thing I'll share with you, is community brings hope. It brings healing. It brings help. And this is, to some, I would say, the greatest even of all. It brings hope. I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1. He's sitting in prison. Chapter 1, verse 30. It says, we are in this struggle together. You've seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. Come on, Paul was honest about his life. Go read Romans chapter 6 and chapter 7. Paul was honest that he had a struggle, that he had issues. Come on, that he was walking out his faith, and it was only through the grace of Jesus that, God's any done, that God had done anything good in his life. And he writes here, listen, we're in the struggle together. You've seen my struggle. You know I'm still in it. We're doing this. We're walking this thing out together. Here's what I've learned in my faith journey. To me, the single most powerful thing someone can hear in this world today is me too. I'm struggling too. I have issues too. We're working this thing out together. When I see someone else overcome an adversity in their life, it gives me hope that I can do it too. Come on, if I see someone that was, that was bound in addiction and they go, man, I, look at what God's done in my life and I see that they overcome it, it gives me hope that I can happen, that it can happen for me. You struggle with porn? Me too. And look what God did. Come on, you were a slave to addiction? Me too. Look what God can do. Your marriage was broken and you didn't see a way out? That was our story. Look what God can do. Come on, you want, you want to run? Like, like, it's just insane what God can do through your story. Me too. We're in the struggle together. You've seen my struggle. You know my past. 
And here we are. It gives me hope for tomorrow. Church, look around. Come on, get in community. Start doing life with people. And you'll be able to see people who the hand of God has touched in a powerful way. And it gives you hope to know that He can do the same thing for you too. I want to pray with you right where you are, wherever you're tuning in from. Maybe you're here today and you've been lost in the struggle. Come on, maybe you're here today and you've been in isolation. It's been hard. Come on, you're struggling with anxiety and depression and loneliness. And maybe, maybe you're to the point where you're like, I don't even know if I see a way out. But I want, to, I want you to know today, there's a God that loves you more than you could have ever dreamed or imagined. There's a family of believers at Cultivate Church that want to see God's best for your life and want to do community, want to be in community with you. You don't have to do this by yourself. I would say maybe it's the voice of God saying, get up, go back the way you came. Get into a small group. Get into community. Start plugging back into your local church. Start plugging back in to serving and to being a part. And see what God can do. See if He doesn't begin to heal the broken areas of your life. See if He doesn't send people your way to be a help in a time of need. See if He doesn't show you an example that will give you hope for your tomorrow. Today, maybe all of that begins with your relationship with Jesus. Maybe isolation has only, has only highlighted the reality that maybe you don't have a relationship with the Father through Jesus. And right where you are, I want to introduce you to that relationship. The Bible says that He so loved the world that He gave His only Son, Jesus. Jesus came and lived a sinless life and gave His life, laid it down on a cross for you and for me. And the Bible says if we accept Him as our Savior, the Bible says He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. So right where you are, you would say this prayer, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I confess that there's nothing good in me apart from You. From this day forward, I accept You as my Savior and I'm going to follow You as my Lord. I'm going to live my life on purpose in a way that honors You. Thank You for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.